You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the MLB Extras Chicago White Sox podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined by Scott Merkin, a beaming Scott Merkin, I'm assuming, after Michigan's big win over Penn State, correct, Merkin? Yeah, I'm not sure if they're ever going to lose again, which probably guarantees they'll lose to Rutgers this weekend after I said <laughs> that. But but they better not lose to Rutgers this weekend. But no, they're playing good football. But that's not why you called. That's not why I called. I called <laughs> to talk about the White Sox. To talk I'm, I'm, about... Always, I'm always willing to talk about Michigan victories. We could do a podcast <laughs> just on that if you wanted to. <laughs> I'm sure they could get some, uh, generate some interest. But right now, the White Sox generating, uh, generating yes. a lot of interest. Uh, there's talk of Manny Machado. There's talk of Bryce Harper. There's talk of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Uh, the White Sox obviously have been in a rebuild phase for a while now, but uh, you know, remains to be seen where these guys end up. But maybe the White Sox will be in on them and kind of turning a corner in the rebuild. What do you think, Mark? Might as well throw Pollock and Keuchel in there while we're at it, too, sure. right? Sox to just just go for broke in one offseason. No, I I think that it, it was kind of understood that the Sox, you know, Rick Hahn plays it very close to the vest. I don't think I'd want to play poker with Rick Hahn because he's got a pretty good demeanor. You know, he's a lawyer, of course, and has that kind of stately demeanor about him when he talks. He doesn't give you a lot of like specific information, but you know, has talked about that this may not be the time to finish the rebuild. It probably isn't, especially with Michael Kopech, you know, getting hurt at the end of last year, having Tommy John and missing the entire 19 campaign. But he said, you know, you can't dictate when those players are available. So they have to be opportunistic. So to me, that meant that they were going to be in on one or both of Machado and Harper, both guys who could obviously help any team immensely, whether you're a contender, a rebuilder or somewhere in between. But I mean, you know, there's no way they're signing both. That's just not going to happen. I mean, again, I know Sox fans don't like talking about this, and Rick Hahn doesn't like talking about this either because he said it's it's not completely accurate. But the biggest money they've given out to one player, free agency-wise, is Jose Abreu at $68 million over six years before he opted into arbitration halfway through there. But And again, that doesn't mean that it'll change this year. I mean, it, that it can't change this year. They could very well go offer Manny Machado hypothetically $350 million or Bryce Harper $320 million structured, you know, in a specific way. But I, I just don't see how it's prudent for their rebuild to, you know, go from payroll flexibility to having basically 65 to $70 million tied up in two players every year. And, you know, John Morosi mentioned that yesterday. I think he meant more along the lines that, you know, they will list, they will make offers on both guys and it may be the one, you know, I, I know they were interested back a few years ago in Gordon, Alex Gordon and Jonas Suspendis. And I don't think they were signing both, but they certainly were interested in both of those guys. So I think it's the same thing here and we'll see how the market plays out. And one thing we've talked about before on the podcast, Anthony is, you know, players have to want to come to this team too. It's, it's not like it's the Sox birthright because they're at this stage of the rebuild that they now get to pick who they want to sign and at what, at what dollar amount and what year amount, you know, they want, they have to want to come to a team that granted has a great young core right now, but also has not been to the playoffs since 2008 and is coming off a, you know, a year that was injury fraught and was part of the rebuild, but wasn't a, a great year for them overall. They lost a hundred games and you know, it would probably take a little convincing. I'm, I know team, you know, they both played in Chicago many times. They know the city. It's a great city. If you can work around the construction and on the highways that that's nonstop, but you know, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it just besides the Sox are interested in both guys. Well, Merck, what, uh, let's say it's, uh, Harper or Machado. I mean, who makes the most sense for them? Is there one or the other? 
You know, I think um, just me personally, I know people were kind of stuck on the Machado thing for a while because, you know, they don't have kind of a, you know, Jake Berger has gone through two Achilles tears and again, very young. If it was going to happen, happening now early in the rebuild is probably better. It probably better is better not to have it happen at all. But yeah, I, I think Harper, I think they're a little short left-handed bat wise. I could see Harper really coming in and if, you know, agreed to a long-term deal, kind of embracing being the guy, you know, being kind of the, I think you could sell it, you know, a, a big free agent like that on two main things. One, well, besides Chicago, one is that, you know, you have a great young core and if things play out, which again, you never know how they're going to play out, you know, this should be a team that can contend for, for quite a bit of time. And two is that you're going to be the guy, you know, and this is taking nothing away from Yohan Moncada or Tim Anderson, who's got a great, you know, gregarious personality and is doing great things in the community in Chicago and in, you know, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama too, where he, where he's from. But I think, you know, Bryce Harper would be by far the biggest name on that team, and he would kind of be the marketing focal point of the team. So I think you could sell that too. I would go with Harper. I just think you have a lot of outfielders, but I think you can also use some of those outfielders to trade to fill other voids too. So that would be my choice. Whether that's the Sox choice remains to be played out in the next couple months. So let's uh, let's divorce ourselves from a Harper-Machado universe and get back into the nitty-gritty of free agency. Okay. What are the – you know, what are the areas that they absolutely must address in free agency, even if it's not a, a shiny object like a Harper or Machado? I like shiny object. Well, the, the one thing that Rick Hahn has said specifically is they need pitching. You know, I mean, it, they have pitching. You know, they have Rodon, Carlos Rodon, Ronaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito locked up for that rotation. Dylan Cease, who I've said this many times now, I feel like I've it's like almost like part of the script. But, you know, he was the MLB Pipeline Pitcher of the Year last year. And he should be, if he makes the same progress he did last year in 19, should be up at some point in 2019. So you probably want, you know, a guy who can, a a veteran guy who can not only fill innings this year, but probably can help you as you move forward. You know, they acquired Manny Benuelos in a trade, and he's a guy I think who could probably compete for a fifth starter spot and float back and forth between the bullpen and the rotation. I thought Hector Santiago was a good kind of low-cost free agent option. I know they liked him from last year, but it looks like probably with the acquisition of Banuelos that that's probably going to go in a different direction for Hector. But I think pitching. I think pitching is the key. And they need relievers. There's no question about it. They do have four or five young relievers down there who I'm, I would think if you pencil in the bullpen right now, no matter who they acquire, will be part of that team next year because you got to see what they can do in this time. But I think, you know, I know they would like to add a couple veteran arms to go with Nate Jones, whose option they picked up. So, yeah, aside from the shiny objects, we talked about pitching is the key for the White Sox right now. Yeah, and you hope uh, the Kopech injury doesn't set them uh, too far back uh, on the pitching end. But, yeah, they're definitely going to need the help. Uh, as far as position- positionally goes, that's easy for me to say. Uh, yeah. Joan Mankata, Rick Hahn has talked about him. Uh, potentially changing positions. How realistic is that? What's the thought process on that? He's talked a couple of times, and we actually, a, gr- a group of us talked to, Rick, um, sorry, talked to Johan, I believe in Minnesota, the last series of the year there, about a position change. And, you know, he had taken for about the last three weeks to a month, taken ground balls at short and third. So, you know, these guys really get attached to positions. You know, I mean, Tim Anderson, when he was drafted by the Sox, Everyone said, oh, he's raw. He doesn't have a lot of baseball experience. Yeah, he's a shortstop. But, man, with that athleticism, which is off the charts, he'd be a great center fielder. Well, Tim Anderson was determined to make shortstop his own, and he has done that. I think he was, you know, as good as any defensive short. Maybe, I mean, I don't know if he was quite Andrelton Simmons, but he was up there in the last two-thirds of the season last year. He was tremendous at shortstop. With that said, I talked to Tim last year, 
about moving to center if the configuration worked out that way. And he said he would be up for it. He thinks he could handle it. So, I excuse me, I think these guys want to win. I know these guys want to win. So Moncada liked being at second. He liked having a specific p- position that he knew he was going to play, one that he felt comfortable in. But I think he'd be up for moving to third base. I, I don't know if outfield is being talked about at this point. And I think if you got an outfielder like Harper, let's say, an infield of Moncada, Anderson, Madrigal. Nick Madrigal is their first-round pick last year. And let's just throw in Abreu for now, even though this is his last year of his contract. would be a pretty formidable group. So I think it's in play. Rick has talked about this a couple of times, including in the year-end interview with the, you know, the group of reporters. And I think it just depends on how the offseason plays out. They're certainly not going to go into spring training and suddenly on March 5th say, okay, now we're moving you to third base. Get ready. He's going to have, you know, I would say probably, I would guess a month, before even spring training just to get ready and get used to it if that's what they're going to do. And just because they don't do it this year doesn't mean it couldn't happen in the future. I think when you have that much athleticism and that much talent like a Moncada, like a Tim Anderson, you have some flexibility. And look, you know, how much it pays off. Look at what, you know, the Cubs did with Chris Bryant the year they won the World Series. How many different positions did he play that year, you know? Yeah, I mean that, that's that's the way the league is headed in general. Sure. Versatility. You have to have those guys, good. right? Yeah. I mean, you have to. I mean, not, not just for double switches and you know going against the switching pitchers every three batters to you know to kind of balance it out. You just need that kind of flexibility where you can move guys around. I think. Merck, obviously, with so much focus on the young talent uh, on the White Sox roster and in their system, there's there's uh, more focus on the Arizona Fall League. What's going on out right. there as it pertains to the, to the White Sox? Well, I think the key story is that, you know, Zach Birdie uh, was brought back a little early from the Arizona Fall League. He had five appearances down there and didn't give up an earned run. You know, I don't think his velocity is right where he wants it to be right now, but I had a chance to talk to him a few days ago, you know, one-on-one, and he seems pretty excited about what's going on. You know, he he knows it's a process. I don't think he's worried that he's not hitting 98, 99 right now. You know, he's hitting – there's been some 95s, some 96s, some 97s. He told me an interesting story that when he was a freshman at Louisville, he said he was like 89 to 91. And had to work to get into that kind of level, you know, had to work to get to that higher level. So it, it can happen. And, you know, in talking to Zach and talking a little to Chris Getz, who's the director of player development for the White Sox, I think it's just a point where Zach, you know, it, it, it's a lot of work to come back from Tommy John surgery. Not that I would know, but it is from what players have told me. But I think he had kind of hit a wall and his arm was getting a little fatigued. He was getting a little fatigued and they thought, hey, this is great. You're going home healthy. You're going home upbeat. And now, like Zach said, he can do like kind of the little things. Not that he wasn't doing those, but really focus on, you know, just his body and nutrition and his arm strength and everything else and be ready come spring training to, to get going. I mean, he's he's in, you know, you can kind of tell with people if they're like, oh, yeah, I feel great. Or, you know, if they're and he sounded like he was very confident that he got what he wanted out of, you know, this rehab. He got what he wanted out of the Arizona Fall League and he's ready to go to work to get ready for spring training. All right. Well, Scott, um, when the when the White Sox do sign Bryce Harper later this week, are you eligible? Are you available to do another one of these podcasts? Are you gonna be busy gearing up for the Michigan game? What's going on? I think it depends. I'll have you. I'll put you in touch with my agent to see what okay. goes on. But I think I think we can work it out if if they do sign. If they sign Harper and Machado, do we do two podcasts or just wait until the the both are done? I think we wait for the dual press conference and uh, yeah, get some nice sound from that. I think that would be yeah. A, I think that'd be a nice uh, listening. Experience. All kidding aside. I think it should be an interesting offseason for them. I think they're going to be in on the on you know some big names, and whether they get them is another story. But I think they're you know this is not just going to be an offseason like last year where they kind of you know add a few pieces here and there that may be movable at some point during the year. They may do that too, but I really do believe that they're going to be in, you know in the market, if not getting them in the market for some big names. All right, well he's our big name, Scott Merkin. Thanks for doing <laughs> this, man. 
All right. Anytime, Anthony. Take care. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.